0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hi, listener. It's Lucy from The Lucy and Annabelle Show. Since our podcast premiered on November 1st, 2020, we have loved getting to know you all and we really appreciate your support. Our schedule of episodes that we plan to release has changed and I want to tell you why. On the night of November 25th, Annabelle's husband, Ryan Brady, and their best friend and roommate, Max Parenchio, were both killed in a car accident. Shocking to hear, I know. It's shocking to say, two months later. At the time of their death, our podcast had four episodes released and four more episodes waiting in the wings for you we've decided that those episodes will remain unreleased. Because it's a whole new world without Ryan and Max. And it doesn't feel right to hide behind those previously recorded episodes while we grieve. Instead, we'd like to continue the conversation honestly and in present time. We think the boys would agree. Ryan was our executive producer, after all, and he urged us from the start to be as truthful as possible. Please be advised that this episode covers sensitive subjects like grief and suicide. We don't want to trigger anyone, but we hope that through this conversation, we might help anyone who needs it. This is definitely not what we all had planned at the start of this podcast, but here we are. We're so happy that you're here too. Hi Lucy. Hi. (laughs) It's harder than I thought to know what to say. What to say.
0: Nobody knows what to say.
1: No. We're sitting here having our tea. The sun is streaming through the window. And I'm really proud of you today for jumping in to our podcast again, even though neither of us know what we're going to talk about or how it's going to go but the only thing we can think to do is move forward Mm. and keep talking.
0: Yeah, I think that it's important. And the reason I want to do this is because in the last month and a half since the boys have gone and since I've been a widow, I've realized that There's no roadmap for this. And also there is no, what I have felt personally is like, I've looked in the usual places I would go to find people like me and I haven't found anyone.
1: Right. You were saying that there's not many groups for young. Yeah. I mean, I know
0: there's loads of in-person groups and I'm sure there's loads of websites and AA type groups for young widows, but went on Instagram, which is like where I would usually go to find things or you know, whatever, Facebook, mm-hmm. and there was nobody there like me. Mm-hmm.
1: But we know they're out there.
0: Yeah, of course they're out there.
1: Which is of why you want to open up and yeah. talk and yeah. share because...
0: Because I know that there are people out there who are going through this as well. Mm-hmm. And listen, I'm not a... As anyone listening to this or who has been listening to this knows, I'm not like a... I'm like a kind of weird person, so... For me to find people like myself isn't always the easiest thing. But I'm not that weird. You know, like I know that there are other women like me out there who feel the same way that I do, not just are experiencing the same things as me, but I'm not like a normie. So like the live, love, laugh kind of league Mm -hmm. doesn't apply to me. I don't feel any of those things, you know? And some days I I'm making jokes about this and some days I'm really dark about it, and some days I'm happy and some days I'm sad and some days I'm everything in one day and it's like I'm not seeing anything reflecting my experience back to me I totally
1: understand what you're saying I think in general people hide this part of the process that's why I was so proud of you when you said you wanted to continue from where we are now instead of releasing the four episodes that we still have unreleased, because I don't know if I'd have the courage to open up right now while everything is so raw.
0: Mm. Well, I don't know if I do either, but well, here we are.
1: Yeah. Um, we may end up talking about baking the whole time. Mm-hmm. Who
0: knows? But anyway... I mean, I don't bake. Well... <laughs> to me, <laughs> um, No. You don't bake? It seems unlikely that we would end up talking about... <laughs> We don't just all bake, you fucking lunatic. Oh, I have so many uh, <laughs> preconceived notions about English people. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, okay, so... Uh, I thought you are going to have questions. I thought you were going to, like, Barbara Walters me. You can ask me... Hey, I want a Barbara this? Walters yeah.
1: you. I, I'm
0: just... I do you just ask me? Ask me anything that you want to ask me. So you want to say, the worst that can happen is that I can say, I can't answer that, or I don't want okay. to really talk about it, or whatever it is, Okay. We just go from there, because if there's one thing I've realised in this whole situation is, like, as a species, we still do not have the words for grief and loss. How many millions of people die every day? How many people are affected by grief every day? Yet we still don't have the words to talk about it. And so that's why these conversations, I think, are important, but are also really, really hard, because like you said at the beginning of this, I don't know what to say. Guess what? I don't know what to say either. And I'm frequently thinking what I do want to say is weird or wrong or crazy or dark or inappropriate or all of those things, which it isn't. It's the experience. Whatever you feel is what you feel. Whatever Mm -hmm. you think is what you think, you know. And I, I think that I would like to just start a dialogue around the fact that We all experience this at some point in our life. I'm not saying everyone is going to be a widow at my age and not everyone is going to, you know, some people aren't going to be the ones that die first and some people, you know, may not experience loss until they're much older. But I think the fact that there is nothing to say is important to look at. The only thing that I can deduce is that the reason we don't know what to say is because we're not meant to know what to say because what we're experiencing is somebody leaving this world and going into whatever is next. And whatever is next is none of our business here on Earth. So the fact that we don't have the words to say, and we never have had as a species, we have an answer for everything. And we can't find the words to talk about death, the thing that happens to all of us. It's because it's not of this world. It's almost not human. It's the most human experience that you can have.
1: But it's not human.
0: But it's not human. As soon as you die, whatever happens next isn't of this world, isn't of your flesh. Right. There's no language
1: to describe it. And it, it doesn't even exist in our brain capacity. I don't
0: think so. In our
1: capacity of imagination or anything.
0: I don't think it's can. It's beyond us. <laughs> Otherwise, what is the explanation for the fact that we still don't have the words for it?
1: Right. You know, I've said to you, I, I think it's such a... I don't think you should ever ask somebody who's in mourning how they are because it's an unanswerable question.
0: I mean, at the best of times, it's a horrible question to answer. Yeah. Because
1: when when people ask
0: it, they don't really mean how are you. Right. Imagine if you actually told people how you were when they said bumped into you at the shops and said, oh, how are you? And you told them the truth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. What I've been doing since this happened in your life is just telling you i'm here because that's all i can think to say i don't have anything to say Mm. uh and i don't need to know how you are because i know how you are yeah and i think that's what's helpful right and i'm not saying that just at you i mean we're in an interesting spot together in time right now because my grandfather died shortly before mm-hmm. you've had your loss, a few weeks before that. And so I was in the thick of my own grief.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when Max and Ryan left, that's been a huge loss in my life too because yeah, they, they, were, were they were friends of mine. And so nothing I say to you is me interviewing you Barbara Walters style, although I do like to get to the bottom of things and pry. People's emotions, but I'm going through it with you. Yeah. And we have been going through it together over this last month here mm-hmm. since it happened. And it's been an interesting process. There have been a lot of laughs, yeah. a lot of good times, a lot of crying, a lot of all of it. And I just want to say, and I've told you this, that I'm really proud of you for taking such responsibility through this process of grief. You've really set an example for me of how to take care of myself during a time of grief because we all tend to do different things. And what I do is I get really sensible mm. when the news comes, yeah. Like of my grandfather's passing, I should I tell you? Yeah, when that's what this is. When I was told that my grandfather died, I'd been dealing with hospice nurses and I'd been there in New York to be with him the last week of his life, which was really beautiful, and we had a really Good, goodbye. Mm. And we both felt really good about it. And then I was discussing with hospice about him coming home from the hospital. And they said, oh, do you want to uh, speak to your grandfather? We'll, we'll take the phone into him in his hospital room. And I said, yeah. So I was waiting for them to call me right back and speak to him. And I got a call back. And it was another nurse. And she said, hello, um, I'm so sorry, but your grandfather just
0: died. Hmm. And I said, what? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And that actual moment when you hear that voice on the phone is so, it's such a stupid moment. It's so surreal. It's Mm. like, what do you, what do you, and you can hear the nurse be, you know, oh, with this like, this pity, this pity voice. And I was like, what is happening? I was just going to talk to him, and and, and and now he's dead. She said, yeah, I just walked in, and he's he just closed his eyes, and he stopped breathing, and, and I got really sensible. Mm. I got really sensible and level-headed, and I thought, okay. And I, th- I said, thank you. Thank you very much for letting me know. Mm. And I got off the phone, and I just um, said, okay, I have to call my uncle, and I have to do this, and I have to do that. And I'm walking around the room, like, with my hands, you know, like I'm – Clasping my hands mm-hmm. and <laughs> this thing came over yeah. and and since then my fiance was just staring at me like I was a crazy person because he's like sit down yeah you just got news that your yeah. grandfather passed stop being a weirdo mm-hmm. and just let it sink in so I tend to go towards that when I'm in grief mm-hmm. of like everything's fine I'm fine Every- everyone's fine and I go straight to denial. Mm-hmm. And so I was just going through that when you went through Max and Ryan and you have shown me a completely different way of sitting with it, Mm. which is the only way Mm. to get through.
0: Mm -hmm. It's not easy to do, it's the hard option. And I think that's why so many people choose to...
1: Do what I do. (laughs)
0: to into denial or mechanisms or crisis mode or they drink or they sleep or they, you know, too much or whatever it is and it's like, you know, and it's not what I did with my dad. With my dad, I, it took this experience to make me realize that when I had that nervous breakdown inverted commas in my 20s, total delayed grief reaction. It was grief. Now I've experienced this, I understand that what that was was grief. When my dad died, I was required to snap into action and be the daughter and smile and go to the events and keep the legacy alive, keep Davy Jones alive. He's never fucking died. So that's where I learned that. And that's why I had that breakdown. Because I had kept him alive, because we've had to keep him alive as a family. We have a responsibility to do so, both to the fans and legally
1: yeah i mean it's, because there's a trust there's so many levels there because yes you're still running the empire you're still running the yep. business
0: yeah
1: and also then on the level of just having a famous father mm-hmm. they never die they, never, they never die you walk into a store their face is up on the big screen tvs you know their music is in the gas station when you're filling up your car they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And then the time. people keep them alive. The fans mm-hmm. keep them alive and they're constantly reaching out to you because you are the direct link yeah. to him. And so, Which is
0: beautiful. It, it is, be- is beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's also an unbelievably heavy burden to carry. Yeah. And that was just a lot in life. And when I grieved my dad, I didn't really do it properly, whatever that means. There is no right way to grieve, obviously. But I have seen similar reactions come up in this situation, losing Ryan and Max. And immediately I recognized what was the right thing to do and what was the wrong thing to do from the experience that I had previously had. Losing my dad prepared me in some way to face this. And I knew I didn't want to drink alcohol. I didn't want to take any Xanax. I didn't want to take anything that was going to alter my mood or mind or mess with my chemicals. I could feel my chemicals were messed up enough as it was. You know, you're releasing so much stress yeah. into your body, adrenaline, all of these things. For me, it was like, I can't add another chemical to the mix because Your body's trying
1: its hardest. My
0: nerves were like frayed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, your body's trying to survive this yeah. right now.
0: And... Why would I add anything else into that? That was just for me. Was that the same with your dad, or no, were you drinking not at all. during I that time? I was drinking and I was
1: eating junk and stuff.
0: I had a period, I think, of time where I remember. I think, like birth, we forget these traumatic experiences so yeah. that we can continue living. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody would get up in the morning. I remember a period of being in bed a lot, and I remember my ex-boyfriend having to take me for walks and. Literally get me up, and I think that only went on for about six months, and then, you know, I was drinking the whole time, and not like bad, like not over drinking. Mm-hmm. Just I didn't alter any of my behavior. Mm-hmm. If you're going to run a marathon, well, be healthy and train for it. And obviously, there was no training I could have done for this event. I woke up and they were dead. But now that I'm in the marathon, I can make good choices. And I just have felt my dad has become a monster under the bed in my life in so many ways. I still can't look at video footage of him as an older man. His voice sends shivers down my spine. Mm -hmm. When I hear his song come on when I'm at the pharmacy, it completely knocks me for six. I avoided it so much that I have made my dad a monster under the bed in my life. And I refuse to do that with Ryan. Mm -hmm. And I refuse to do it with Max. I couldn't look at pictures of my dad, and I've made a point every week to take the time to look at pictures and look at videos because I need to face them and that they're gone. And I also want to soften myself to them so that they don't become some scary thing in my life. All they were to me was joy. And I refuse to allow them to be anything else. Yeah. You know, because you spent time with them. They just <laughs> radiated joy. They did. And love and
1: right here where we're sitting.
0: Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, they were wild, wild boys.
1: Yeah. They loved life and they, they lived, loved everything in it. And they, they lived
0: by the sword and they died by the sword. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for that. I do. I do They too. fucking lived. Ryan juiced every moment out of life. Mm-hmm. From the moment he woke up in the morning to the moment he fell asleep at night. He was cramming life in. Mm-hmm. He really was. And he was in a constant pursuit of clarity knowledge wisdom love joy creativity
1: and expansion i mean he did so much for us with the podcast and he really pushed us to get mm-hmm. going and he really believed in it and even when he died i i because I, I was eight hours ahead of you and i woke up in england to an email from him about an expansion of what we were doing and you know bringing this big company in and yeah and getting all that handled. And I was writing him. I was emailing him back. He was he was just so involved in everyone he cared about. Absolutely. And getting the best for them and reaching for the stars.
0: What's your dream? Let's make it happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was really a magical guy that way. And that's not going to go anywhere. That's... No. You take that... Take him with you that way forever. And Max was too. So that night that it happened, you told me that these lessons from losing your dad really came into play mm-hmm. immediately
0: from mm-hmm. the second you woke yeah. up. Yeah.
1: Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So the night before, Max and I had gone to the shops to get some food for Thanksgiving. We were going to make Thanksgiving lunch and all that and have our friends over. And we came back. I made them some dinner we were sitting around and they were listening to Kiss so Ryan Ryan liked to go through discographies of bands and he would go right from the beginning right to the end you know and he would listen to everything and then all of the solo records and then you know he was just as i said juiced every single yeah he went deep on everything, everything he was he interested did. in everything and he
1: was so curious about things
0: so he had gotten into Kiss he'd always wanted to was on his list of things to to go through and um they were in here listening to Kiss, and I can't fucking stand Kiss. <laughs> Good <laughs> God. There's a couple of songs that I like, but you know what I don't want to do is is listen to Kiss all day, every day and night, but when he was getting into something, that's what we did. We listened to it in the house, we listened to it in the car, we listened to it everywhere. <laughs> you everywhere. were getting a music education Oh my God, against he, your I was will. With, with everything, you know, with everything, and... They were listening to Kiss and I was just like, please, can you turn this off while we eat? I just, I honestly can't. And they were just like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but then we finished and I was doing dishes and they turned it back on and it was just getting louder and louder and louder. And I went to bed early that night and they were sitting here. Max was sitting where I'm sitting and, and Ryan was sitting opposite him. And they had the speaker in between them and they were listening I think they were listening to Paul Stanley's solo. work, I'm not exactly sure. Is that even his name? I think that's his name. Yeah, I did. Um, and they were talking about, like, which record was good, which record was shit, like, how they were jealous of, you know, each other and the members of Kiss and all this. They loved the stories behind the bands. They loved the personalities and all that stuff. So it wasn't just about digging into the music. It was about digging into everything. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to bed because I really just, like, I'm tired, but also I really don't like Kiss. <laughs> And I like walked away and I like looked back and I was waiting for them to be like, okay, we'll turn it off because usually <laughs> they just would, you know, usually they really would. And they'd be like, okay, fine. Like, you know, cause we were together all the time, hanging out and lived together. So, and I like got to the bottom of the stairs and I looked back at them and I was like, okay, I'm really going to bed. And they just like looked at me and started laughing. And they were like, okay, bye. Cause I just surrendered to, to the kiss and, yeah. uh, And the last time I saw them, they were sitting here and they were just so happy. Oh, my God. They were having such a good time. They were just happy. And I went up to bed and whenever I was falling asleep. And then about midnight, I think they were down here screaming, laughing. like (laughs) Their laughs. And you know, you've heard that laugh that they did. It was... we screamed with laughter in this house and and I called Ryan and I said really with the screaming (laughs) and then we both started laughing and he like did a silly voice to me I wish I could remember exactly what we had said but we were just laughing and I was like yeah 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 and I put the phone down and I went to sleep and I guess they went off to get a pack of cigarettes or something and um When I woke up, they were gone and I woke up at about four in the morning, really anxious. I wasn't able to sleep and I just was really restless and I I woke up and I looked at some stuff on my phone and thought, oh, I'll fall asleep. And then I looked at the time and I realised how early it was and Ryan still wasn't in bed. And so I came downstairs. And as soon as I came downstairs, I just knew, I just knew, I, all the lights were on, everything was on, the amps were still buzzing in the studio, but I just knew, I can't describe it to you, it was, I could feel that they were gone, I could just feel that they, they weren't here anymore, and not just weren't in the house, but that they weren't here, yeah. And my heart started racing and I'd, I'd never done that before, but I went downstairs and went into the street to look for the cars. And I saw that the car was gone and I just, I knew
1: mm-hmm.
0: came inside and just got really like calm mm-hmm. and I put the kettle on. Cause I remembered that last time this happened with my dad. It's really important that you, like, drink water and have sugar in your body. And I I knew what was coming. Yeah. So I knew that I needed to... Prepare. ...have caffeine and have sugar and all the things that I would usually have in the morning. Because I knew it was just about to... My body was not going to be About to get hit with a tidal wave. Yeah. And... I put the kettle on and as the water was boiling, I was texting our friends and I I knew that, I knew that no one was going to respond. And I made myself the tea and I just sat down at the kitchen table and I just waited for the call. And it came. About six in the
1: morning?
0: Yeah from his parents and the morgue had called them and his poor mom was saying he's there isn't he I said, no. and I just started screaming <laughs> yeah. screaming no 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 and I to go onto the floor because I just couldn't be anywhere else, I didn't know how to sit down or stand up or it was so awful, it was so awful, his poor mum and I just soon as I saw her name on my phone I knew yeah here it is like here we go so I sat and talked to her for a minute and I said I've got to go I've got to call my family I need somebody to come be with me so my family were all asleep obviously and I eventually got hold of my sister's mom and I told her what had happened and I said I need Sarah and Sarah called me and she was on her way and I just sat there and I just drank my tea and I just sat there and waited.
1: And she was a long way away, so that was a long time to wait. Yeah. And then you don't really remember much yeah, after, after that, after that, right?
0: I really don't remember. Yeah. I remember calling my mum and my best friend and then I don't remember even what I said to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just remember them saying, no, no, no. And I don't remember anything else. That week is a blur.
1: I got a text from you because they died the night before Thanksgiving. And so the morning of Thanksgiving, you texted me and it was eight hours ahead for me. So we were already having Thanksgiving dinner because I forced everybody in England to have (laughs) a Thanksgiving dinner, my fiance's family. And I got your text. I'd gone up to the bathroom and I looked at my phone and I saw, and you said it very plainly and bluntly. And I will never forget that moment. I thought, okay, Annabelle's a bitch because I know she likes to fuck with me and I know she likes to play mean jokes, but this is too far. Mm. It's really not funny. That's honestly what I really, that was my first thought. My system did not accept that as truth. Mm. (laughs) And I was angry at you. I was like, what a bitch. Mm. I was... And I texted you back and I said, no, you're lying. You are lying. And then I tried to call you. You weren't picking up your phone. I wouldn't either. And I walked back downstairs and I just totally mm. fell apart and they all just hugged me and and thought of you because mm. that's where my heart was. Yeah. You know, I wasn't crying for myself, but I just wished that I could get back from England to be with you. Although I know you were surrounded by good friends
0: Mm. I was really lucky I was really really lucky that we had a really really close knit group and they were meant to come over that day and obviously at first I didn't know what to do but it got to about 10 and yeah I think it got to about 10 and I just texted them and I said I think that we need to all be together and I don't know how long it took everyone to get here but They all came over and, you know, I was just shell-shocked, I think, that day probably. I don't remember. No. But you were all together for
1: days after that, right? Yeah,
0: we basically sat Shiva, you know. We Mm -hmm. were here from the morning until, and they didn't leave me until I went to bed, until I was asleep, which is just so sweet, and we just were all together every day, and Crying and laughing and sitting in silence and eating and not eating and They all banded around me and made it livable I don't know how else to explain it other than I Thought I was gonna die (laughs) You know, I thought I can't survive this I am in so much pain Physical pain Mm. every cell in my body was pain everywhere at times
1: pain mine was too I mean I was sitting in England and I couldn't function for days I was laying I was in bed I was sitting staring at the wall my poor fiance is trying to be happy you know with me we had a lot to celebrate there and I just couldn't and I thought wow when you are not in grief and someone else is it's so easy to forget Oh, yeah. How much it hurts, but it's physical. Oh, yeah. It physically hurts. Mm. And we forget that when we're not the one going through it.
0: I explained it to the people around me as, and I don't have kids, so I don't know what giving birth is like, but whatever the re- reverse of that is, you know, like I felt like death was pushing out my skin and I would have these outbursts, these episodes that my sister (laughs) not very eloquently has coined as exorcisms where I would get an episode of real strong grief, basically. Crying, nausea, hyperventilating, panic. Sheer panic. And bargaining. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. I can't do this. It was like I wanted to back out of myself into disappearing you know i wanted to leave my body
1: and you've said something like if they couldn't be brought back to you you just wanted to go to where they yeah, were i even though you're not
0: was desperate
1: to you're not someone who's no, ever ever thought that way
0: no, i'm not a suicidal person i don't have suicidal ideation i don't
1: but you're just desperate to yeah
0: you just want to be fix it where they are your brain is like find them My brain was trying to find them and it was racing. It was looking for them, looking for them, looking for them, looking for an answer to fix what my body was experiencing. And when you're in those initial moments and days, you are not there. You're not present. You are operating outside of yourself. I now know from this experience that I feel equipped now to face this if somebody in my life faces this. And another reason why I wanted for us to talk about this and speak in the now and do this now is because I hope that if anyone who is experiencing this hears this or knows somebody that hears this or maybe hears it and, and something happens in five years and they remember, I want to share what I've learned, my experiences, in the hope that just it might help somebody in those moments where you think you're going to, die. Like, I wanted to die. It wasn't that I felt suicidal. It was that I didn't want to be alive. And even if I had felt suicidal, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Because I examined it at the time. I thought, well, can I take pills? What if I slit my wrists? Maybe I can go to the top of a building. And none of it made sense. It was like, no, that's not it. I was searching for an answer to how to get to them, and none of those answers were it. I'm a very hopeful person, even at the darkest times of my life. To be faced with myself with no hope, it scared me to death. It scared me more than I can explain to you. When you are not that type of person, to have those thoughts and feelings is terrifying, and I just want people to know that it's normal and you just need to have people around you to hold your hand and get you through those moments because you get through them. They're hell when you're in them. They are terrifying and exhausting. It is exhausting, but you get through them. You get through the episode and then you start to breathe and realize, okay, no, I'm not suicidal. I'm not gonna jump out the window, it's okay. It's just so scary. I wish there was a place where Like, even just, like, an Instagram page where it could say things like that. Like, it's okay that you feel like that. I spoke to a trauma specialist, I think after about a week. And she said to me at that point, it's okay that you feel like this. If you feel like this in a year, that's not okay. Why don't we all know that? I know. It's so strange about not even grief, but about so many
1: things in life just are just taboo like not talked about you're not supposed have, to talk about those things well, you're
0: not preparing anyone you don't for prepare people inevitable. for life yeah
1: death is life for all the ups and downs death is that life. life brings if you're lucky enough to live yeah long
0: you know <laughs> to or, have ups
1: and downs yeah, but not
0: or not long ryan and max didn't really get very long they were i know but they still had what
1: i mean is they had loss in their short lives, you know, we have so much childhood trauma that nobody teaches you how to process. You're just left on your own. And I'm so happy that you're saying this about the suicidal thoughts, because you've said to me over the last month that if you had just had somebody to tell you, don't worry, this is normal, it would have been a lot less scary for you.
0: Yeah. And even though it was only a week before someone did tell me that, it felt like An eternity. When you feel that way, every day is... Every moment, every second. A war inside of you. And it felt like a hundred years of me fighting to be alive. Yeah, your hair's gone totally gray. I know, it's amazing. (laughs) Got a bolt patch as well at the back. And it really has made me as somebody who isn't a suicidal person and has never been, even in my darkest moments. My God, people who live with that.
1: There was some statistic you read me last week about how many people are going through that every day.
0: It was grief, it wasn't suicide, it was in England. For every person that dies, five people experience like proper extreme grief. And that equates to a million people in England alone per year.
1: Wow are suffering deeply deeply.
0: with grief, PTSD, and trauma. How many times have you had this conversation in your life, Lucy? Okay, well, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, I'm not saying that we need to spend our lives thinking about death, but you know what they could also teach you when they teach you sex ed is about death. Yeah. Just anything, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think there are so many questions I've had and I've Googled them and Googled them and there's no answers. And I know it's, I am in a situation where I am a young widow. So I know that my situation is a bit different. So it is niche. I am in a niche situation where it's like, if I'm Googling something, it's not just like widow stuff comes up, but they're all older.
1: right? Yeah, they weren't starting out with their husband for the rest of their lives and building a home together. You guys just moved into this beautiful home. You were building your life together. Yeah. But I know and you know that there are plenty of women out there and men who have lost their young Mm wives going through this. And I think that you're in a place to be able to help a lot of people who are listening to this. And I think you might be the one to start that Instagram Mm -hmm. that you were searching for. If you help one person, mm. that's enough to make it a huge success.
0: Mm.
1: And during that time, when this first happened, I wasn't speaking to you. I was checking in with you every day, but we I didn't know any details of mm. what had happened. And I sure as hell wasn't going to ask mm. you. So I was going through it myself. And I can't tell you how many people, friends of yours, friends of Ryan's, friends of Max's, people who don't even know us, reached out to me. To share their grief Mm. and how they were processing it and all the love and concern they had for you. Many, many people. And I I haven't told you about all the messages or or read them to you, but it was beautiful the outpouring of love. So the people that you were here with at the house, that was, you know, the inner circle Mm. and that kept you afloat during Mm. that time your sister, your family. And then we are just surrounded by fans of the podcast, Mm. by friends of the guys.
0: And I really feel that. And I have to say, like, one of the things that has really struck me during this time is however you want to look at it, whether you want to look at it as collective prayer or holding somebody in your thoughts or whatever it is, I felt everyone's love and support, not just for me, but for Ryan as well. I could feel that we were being held And if you are experiencing grief or if you know somebody that's experiencing loss, just checking up on them and saying, I'm thinking of you.
1: Not how are you. Not how
0: are you, not can I do anything for you. Not can I anything. I love you, I'm here, I'm thinking of you. If they don't respond, it doesn't matter. Because some of those messages came to me at times where I was feeling really, really, really bad and hopeless and shocked me out of it, reminded me people are holding me. Yeah, I'm being supported, Ryan is being supported. And that's what I wanted to
1: do because I thought that you must be in a place, as I would be, of contemplating going to the other side because it's a release of everything
0: you're forced to go through against
1: your will. That must be so overwhelming for you that I thought, if I can send one message and she reads that, I don't give a shit if she responds. If she reads that, it was a visual to me of a hand, yeah. an
0: outstretched Absolutely. hand to you
1: coming back towards it the is. light.
0: That's exactly what it
1: is. Even if you're not going to take yep. the hand, you see that yep. the hand is there and it's it's Absolutely. it's waiting for you to take it as soon as you're ready and you will have a lifeline back to Absolutely. life
0: absolutely and that's what it is and just checking in with people when they're going through something like this is enough no expectation it's enough is enough you don't have to you don't have flowers. to have the right words you don't, because guess what you sent them flowers they don't remember they weren't here on planet earth when you sent them those flowers you know it's like okay some food is helpful that's one thing i will say is like is helpful for me a lot of people sent me flowers which i really 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 appreciate and I know people wanna show you that they're thinking of you. After this experience, I will never send somebody flowers when somebody dies again, ever. Because your house is filled with flowers and it looks like a mausoleum, and then the flowers fucking die.
1: I'd never thought of that before, but it's so true.
0: I don't wanna live in a mausoleum, and I can't speak for every single person that loses people, I really can't. I can just speak from my experience. Send food, send essential oils, You know, if you know flowers is going to be great for the person, people just want to help. Yeah. And they want you to know that they're thinking of them. But even if you don't send anything, material, sending a text message is exactly as you've just described it. It's a hand reaching out. And whether I take it or not, it's there. And when I am ready to come up from under the mud and... (gasps) breathe and reach for something, the hand is there. And that's been so powerful for me, knowing that all of those people who just say, I'm thinking of you, I'm holding you in my thoughts, I love you, and they don't give up. All of the people around me who, even when I don't text them back, they keep texting me. God fucking bless those people. My instinct right now is I wanna withdraw stay away from me, don't look at me, don't talk to me. And despite me doing that, they are refusing to give up. It has taught me, if I'm in this situation with somebody that I know and love in the future, not to give up, to continue putting the hand out, to continue leaving some food, groceries on the doorstep, whatever it is, or whatever you can do from where you are. But even just the text message is enough. Even a call. I'm not going to answer your phone call, but the fact that you called me, thank you it's been such a lesson for me. I have felt everyone's support and love and wishes and they have genuinely guided me through unbelievably bleak moments. It's just a feeling, I can't really articulate it. It's knowing that people are loving you from afar, whether they really even know you very well or not. You know, lots of Ryan's friends who I don't know that well and and work colleagues checking in with me and it means so much. If you're loving Ryan, thank you. You know, like, thank he meant, you He meant so much him. to
1: so many people. He yeah. still does, he always will.
0: He always will. He And
1: Max too.
0: Ryan's motto in life was, leave everyone better than you find them. And I don't think I ever saw him not do that with a single person. You know, I didn't know him as a young man in his early 20s, but the man that I knew truly left every single person better than he found them. And as a result of him doing that, I have been guided through this unbelievably dark and painful time by his philosophy kicking into action. People have loved me because they loved him. You know, and that's really, really powerful, really beautiful, because it makes me feel like he is supporting me still, even though he's not here. I oh yeah. He created a world in which I supported. was supported and loved. And loved, yeah. Through this time, God, if there isn't you know a thing that could sum Ryan up better than that, he has left me better than he found me in so many ways. So many ways. We did with each other. We loved each other back to life. We were not happy in our lives when we met. We were in a lot of pain, we were going through similar things with an abusive dynamic with another person, and we just championed each other through it. Was it easy? No. Did we have time apart? Yeah. Did we have ups and downs? Absolutely. I'm not painting some rose-tinted version of our <laughs> friendship or relationship or dynamic, you know, I'm not. And I never will. You know, the truth is strange enough and beautiful <laughs> enough on its own. I don't need to make another story about it. But... I just feel so proud to have been given the opportunity to know and love him. And that I was the one that he chose. When I met him, I thought, I'm not good enough. love him.
1: I can't be with a man like that. And he thought the same about you. <laughs> I don't know what he thought. He thought, thought what but- the hell does this
0: goddess want with me? I don't deserve her. <laughs> I don't know what he thought about that, but... You know, I really was so not in touch with myself, so not seeing myself, and the way that he saw me has made me such a better person.
1: And you took care of him, and I don't think a woman had done that for him before. Never? No, and he felt really safe with the world that you created for him and the way that you cared for him and saw him. I have such a funny memory of you guys. I feel like I have it on camera somewhere, but I can't find it. We were doing the podcast and we were about to start recording, and he's he's complaining about his hair, and his hair was like, oh yeah, really it was so crazy. And you were like, come here, come here, and he like knelt he knelt <laughs> down over the bed where you were, kind of on his hands and knees, and you were fixing his hair, and you 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 have to do it like this. When you do it that other way, you look like Trump. <laughs> You were like, I've been telling you this for four years, and he's going, I know, I know. Can you just, can you just fix it, please? And he turned into this little boy, and it was the. Fu- I'm just watching this go on, and it was so funny just to peek in on you guys and see what good care you took of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did. I, I. He really looked to you for her. that guidance, yeah. and and that's what every man
0: does. That's the role of a woman. Yeah, you know that's And he took such good care of me. Yeah, of course. You know, we really, we really took care of each other, and it wasn't like. It just magically happened like
1: No, you that. guys were friends. You we're built a f- solid friends. friendship. And that's we where that kind friends. of care comes from. Absolutely. You don't get that care from marrying somebody that, yeah. you know, you're in lust with. Yeah. You get that care from a level of companionship that takes yeah. time to build. And it's yeah. all about trust. And you guys were so funny. Yeah,
0: we were best friends. <laughs> you know, best, best friends. And that's the sort of stage, I would say, of grief I'm at at the moment is... Last week, about a week ago, maybe ten days ago, I started to feel really lonely, really, really unbelievably lonely, despite people reaching out to me and wanting to see me and coming around me and being with my family and I know I'm not alone it just now that
1: has nothing to do with being no, lonely
0: <laughs> i just I miss my best friends. Ryan was my best friend. we loved each other so much, we took care of each other, as you said you know i I loved taking care of him. I loved that I could do that for him. He deserved it. And he loved taking care of me. He would always say to me, I just want to give you everything that your parents couldn't give you and didn't give you. I want you to have everything that you should have had. And he did that for me. He really did. He did what he set out to do.
1: Yeah, and he loved seeing you happy. Mm.
0: Remember, he came in
1: here when he bought you those beautiful shoes? Yeah. And he and I said, Ryan, well done, because you were so excited. Yeah. And he was just beaming. Yeah. He was so happy that yeah. he could just make you smile.
0: Yeah. He loved to provide for me. And I'm not a like fancy person, you know, like everyone knows I love thrifting and I'm not like a bougie person. But these particular shoes, I had been buying the rip off ripoff mm. kind, and I would buy like two pairs a year. And he was so happy to be able to buy me the real kind, and that's how he, one of the ways in which he loved me was by providing of course. things like that's that That's a for very me.
1: Ma- That's very masculine. A man's, yeah. you know. And the way man I loved him was by
0: fixing his hair, and yep. making him his bagel and, and coffee in the morning, getting I, him the
1: right color curtains, curtains he wanted. God,
0: I fifty pairs of curtains for this room, getting him the right ones that <laughs> they are beautiful. Be the sun enough, but you know all of that. But I don't know. I just. I would give anything just to take care of him again. That's Mm -hmm. one of the things I miss, you know, really miss. Take care of someone. I
1: know.
0: I miss my best friend. I miss making coffee for him in the morning and (laughs) making sure everything's how he needs it and wants it. Making sure his hair doesn't look like Trump. (laughs) Just whatever he needed, you know, and I loved. I actually have a picture on my phone from, like, the week before it happened. Well, he was upstairs on a call and I took a picture and I said, whoopsie, I, and it was of his bagel and his coffee. And I'm so glad I have that picture now, because why would I take a picture of it otherwise? Mm-hmm. I said, I made you this, shall I bring it up? And he said, no, I'll come down. But that bagel and coffee was so important to me. <laughs> so stupid, but they just were. It was the start of every day. And you know, We would tell each other we love each other and every morning, every morning he would roll over and just touch me. And I remember vividly thinking that he did it one morning and I thought, I remember
1: this. I have learned that this year from everything that you've been through and from other things that love is in the tiniest, oh, things. The tiniest things. That's what love is made yeah. up of. Most That's tiniest what it's made things. up of. It's made up of a billion tiny things. Yeah. And that is the best news because. That means that every moment we have opportunity to choose love and to infuse our existence with love. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Whatever it is. Absolutely. Do it with love. I am now out of that the weed like the initial weeds where I felt like there was mud in my eyes and up my nose and in my throat and I was drowning. You know, I'm past that phase right now. And I don't know if I'll go back to that place. It's, you know, it's it can not, come up anytime. Yeah, you know, and it
1: doesn't mean you've gone backwards. No, it's it just doesn't. the nature of being human.
0: It doesn't mean you've gone backwards. And that's something that we should touch on at some point is the judgment and expectations around backwards and forwards with grief and all of that. Good days, bad days. It's Of course, there are really, really, really bad days. Really bad days. But as I was saying at the beginning, my overwhelming feeling, I refuse to allow Ryan or Max be anything but joy and anything but love in my life because that's all they were. And when I think of them, I just am overwhelmed with love. I'm sad, of course, but I'm overwhelmed with love. And it sounds so fucking lame. Gratitude. I have never been so grateful in my life to have had the chance to know them and love them and be loved by them. You know, people keep telling me, oh, life is cruel. It's not fucking cruel. It's not cruel. It's not, I don't agree, I'll never agree, life isn't cruel. If life was cruel, how could I have ever known and loved them or been loved by them? Never having that would be cruel. But their love and friendship has changed me forever, forever. I see myself the way that they saw me now and I love them and I will love them forever. I will love them till the moment I die, I'll love them and thank them in everything I do. Yeah. They just changed my life forever in so many ways that we can get into and discuss as time goes by, but life isn't cruel. It really isn't.
1: Yeah, I I said to you recently that it was interesting, the timing of everything, because you and I reconnected last year after our families had been connected since before we were born. But you just think, wow, we reconnected, which brought me to Ryan, to working with Ryan, to getting to know Ryan, to getting to know Max. And you guys were kind enough to house my grand piano in your yeah. studio downstairs. Yeah. that was our pleasure. That meant so much to me to have my piano in a place where musicians, incredible musicians, were yeah. going to be playing it. And before I gave it to you guys, the piano, I thought, yeah, I would have sold it. But after this has happened and Max and Ryan graced it with their Mm. immense talent, which, thank God, we have video footage of. That piano means the world to me. I'll never get rid of that piano. That piano has such heart and soul that those two men graced it with their talent and visited with it for just a moment along their journey. Mm. You know, in their passing, which has affected me deeply, you just think, wow, if if you and I hadn't reconnected, I wouldn't have known them, Mm. and – I wouldn't have gone through the loss of them and gotten all the gifts that it's brought to my life, not only from Max and Ryan, but from you. And like I said, watching how you have handled yourself, you've taught me, I can't even go into it here. (laughs) This podcast is interesting because it's not gone where we thought it was headed. (laughs) And that in itself is another lesson about life. And I want us to keep going with it because I've learned from the spirit world that there are no coincidences. Yeah. I know that. And I have never believed that in the past, but I have been told very <laughs> strongly that there are no coincidences. And so the timing of everything
0: yeah, I agree.
1: has been on purpose in my journey, that piano now is so priceless to me our podcast which was teaching me so much before this happened yeah you know just with our silly dynamic of mm. you always hammering me about opening up <laughs> and me always teasing you about being you know
0: well look how look at that me hammering you about opening up and here i am i've just been burst wide open yeah you know
1: I, I have to
0: this podcast was never meant to be
1: about this no it's not meant to be about (laughs) this but it's exactly what's meant to be yeah it's where we are going on and and i know this um we'll we'll continue this conversation and whoever's listening who would like to come along with us yeah we'll see where it takes us and it is all about moving towards the light always
0: absolutely and i just hope that as we move through this and as I move through this experience and can continue to share that that it can help somebody hear something that might resonate with them and just be helpful in some way to somebody, because this is not something you want to do alone or can do alone. You can't. You can't. And this has been emotional. I know we're gonna have many more emotional talks like this and we're also gonna laugh because that's what we're we gonna laugh we're gonna cry
1: yeah. and we're not going to apologize <laughs> for anything that comes up because it's none of our business what it's meant for yeah. it, it all are you know the only thing that is our business is taking the next step I day, can't believe I just day. was so
0: like hell-bent on like dismantling the walls around you and like I just can't believe how the tables have turned it's like Here I am, the person who's got no problem. I've never had a problem being vulnerable. No problem. And you're not now. (laughs) No problem talking about anything. Within reason, obviously, to keep my dignity. Oh, please. (laughs) You liar. No, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to air my dirty laundry, but I'm happy to acknowledge that there is dirty laundry and hint at it in every way possible. (laughs) Without naming names. Put it on my finger and throw it round and round and round. And
1: chuck it. You'll talk about it just enough <laughs> so the person knows exactly who you're exactly speaking about who and I'm talking about. Yes.
0: This life is crazy. It's just life can change
1: and does
0: and does change in one instant. Instant. And you only oh, you say like everything can change in a instant. Until you experience that, it doesn't mean anything to you.
1: Just you wait.
0: It's wild. It's just wild. But I'm really glad that we're doing this.
1: (sighs) I am too. I was
0: really scared to do it.
1: I know. I was too.
0: And I think that we can have a lot of valuable conversation. I think it's going to be good for us (sighs) as people to heal. My therapist literally said to me this morning, don't stop talking to people because I have.
1: Yeah. And don't worry about repeating yourself. Don't worry about
0: repeating yourself and don't any of those things. So this is going to be really the timing, as you said. No coincidence. Yeah.
1: We are here for Annabelle while she repeats herself, aren't we, guys? (laughs) Right? Thank you. Of course we are.
0: I'm going to repeat myself so many times. Well, good. We're here for it. It's like mush. I can't remember anything I say or do. We're here for it. Love you.
1: Love you.